Welcome, Calvary, to The Weekly, a podcast by Calvary Bible Church, connecting what happens over the weekend to your real life lived with your host, Jay Ewing. And in the podcast studio today, I have Perry Marshall, Melissa Christensen. How's it going? Great. Going well, Jay. Happy St. Patty's Day. Oh, thanks. I don't know when this podcast will be released, but it is St. Patty's Day today. It is. And we're in a green room. We are in a green room. That's true. I know. Wow. And Perry and I are wearing green. Yes. And I am I'm too on my shoes. Hey, we have an episode. It doesn't count. It's like saying you have green eyes. I have green yeah. eyes, so I don't have yeah. to wear green. It doesn't count. Hey, we have an episode today about what we are reading this month. The book is The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. So if you've never read The Screw Tape Letters, this is a great book to put on your bookshelf or your Kindle shelf. And go to Amazon. You can find the link below to get there to get your copy of The Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, this is going to be a great episode. It sort of lines up with the sermon series we're in today at Calvary called the Battle Ready, and it's a it's about a battle being waged in our lives in the kingdom of God. Ephesians six, where we put on the armor of God, and the theme for this battle in this series is finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, and so. The Screw Tape Letters are a great addition to this sermon series, we believe. So I had Perry and Melissa read the Screw Tape Letters along with me and sort of give you a sort of large preview of what to expect as you read the Screw Tape Letters. Anything I'm leaving out, Melissa? No, I would just say if you've read the Screw Tape Letters, but it's been a long time maybe, go back and reread it. That's too. a great encouragement. Because I think a lot of people have read it, not everyone. But um, I hadn't read it in many, many years, and it was always something good in there. It was good. That's awesome. Perry, any reflections there from you? It's a classic. It's a classic. It is a classic. Um, Bonafide classic. Yeah, a lot of people have have benefited greatly from reading the Screwtape Letters over the years. I would throw my name in that circle with people, too. It's just, it's a great book. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And we would love for Calvary people to be about reading great books, getting involved in these resources that we're presenting with you. So if you want to go check out some other podcasts about books we've been reading, you can go to calvarybible.com slash the weekly and look up the titles, what we are reading. And you can find the other two books we have read and we're recommending. And then screw tip letters is the third book in our series. Okay. So Melissa, will you give us a brief introduction to the screw tape letters and what they are, uh, what they are about. Sure, I'm just going to read it straight from Amazon because isn't that where we all go That's to look at what books are about? Very true. Yeah, the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis is a classic masterpiece of religious satire that entertains readers with its sly and ironic portrayal of human life and foibles from the vantage point of screw tape, who's a highly placed assistant to quote unquote our father below. At one, at one, at once, excuse me, wildly comic, deadly serious, and strikingly original, C.S. Lewis's The Screw Tape Letters is the most engaging account of temptation and triumph over it ever written. That's a really big sentence. Ever written. Yeah, and it's probably pretty true. Uh, we were just talking about this before we went live on the podcast, that probably Jonathan Edwards and that, what is it, the hands of the... Sinners in the Sinners hands, of, in the the hands of an angry, angry God. God is probably the second 
greatest classical work on this sort of temptation narrative reading writing genre. So sort of interesting in July of July twentieth of nineteen forty, C.S. Lewis was listening to a speech on the BBC given by Hitler. So this is pre World War Two, and it really scared him what Hitler was talking about and the ways in which he was communicating his vision for Germany. And he came up with this idea after that speech. And it was a sort of like a, a book he wanted to write about one devil to another and a, like a retired devil sort of mentoring a new devil who had a new patient was sort of his idea that he wrote to his brother saying, I'm going to write this. So in 1942, he released this book and it was put to press eight different times in one year. That's how many people read this book. That's crazy. Yeah. Which and is pretty insane. Screwtape is the elder devil. Would we call him that? Yep. And Wormwood is the person he's writing the letters to. And we never actually read any of Wormwood's words. Yeah. We just hear uh, through Screwtape's vision. Yeah, it's brilliant in that. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing we got to understand about Screwtape letters is that it's a point of view, um, and it's Christian satire, so satirical in its nature, and that's really important. And actually, how do you feel like that role reversal of that perspective um, helps you read this or glean some new understandings from this book? I'd say for me, Jay, it's it's just a fresh perspective. Like when when you read about the devil in Scripture, Obviously, we're reading about it from a certain perspective, from a vantage point of being citizens of the kingdom, of being children of God. And we're reading, like, for example, Paul's words in Ephesians 6, like you already mentioned. Obviously, Paul's writing about Satan from a vantage point that is very different from what C.S. Lewis decides to do with the screw tape letters. And in that way, I think it gives us a fresh perspective and even maybe a more well-rounded out kind of understanding of the devil and his schemes and how um, we need to guard ourselves against his schemes not to put the screw tape letters on a level comparable with scripture at all obviously you know this is not inspired um, the same way scripture is inspired but it does help us just think about all of the schemes of the devil in a new fresh way Mm -hmm. I was thinking uh, just this morning actually as I finished reading it (laughs) last minute there, procrastinator, Um, how interesting it would be, and maybe this exists out there, if somebody would write a book about the actual subject that they're tracking in this, so the man in this book that the the, um, younger devil Wormwood is kind of following, it'd be so interesting to hear his perspective. Yeah, like the Christian point of view from the whole narrative. Yeah, and what it feels like to him as a human as all of this is going on. Yeah, that's really true. I, the thing that strikes me with the screw tip letters is that Wormwood is instructed not to attempt to win this patient's soul through argument, but rather fixing his attention on streams of immediate sense of experiences. So it's basically distractions totally. more than the destroying of his Christian life. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. And that sort of sets up the whole book of what we're reading, why we're reading it. And really gives you a lens to view your own life. 
Yeah. So one example of that early in the book, and I'm, I'm going to be referencing early in the book a lot because I have not recently <laughs> read the screw tape letters except for skimming the early part of the book. So this is fresh in my mind. So my advice earlier about rereading it, that was yeah. for you, Perry. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Um, so early in the book, it talks about how this subject, um, is getting in, he's become a believer and he's entering into the church and, um, how that's not a great thing from the perspective of the devils of Wormwood and um, the the uh, advice that's being given by the elder um, devil, the, the um, demon here, is to just get the subject distracted in the church, get the subject distracted by the, annoying, the annoyance of the people around him. The, the way they look weird, they talk weird. Maybe they just have little quirks about them that is something that drives him crazy. And after a while, he becomes so disenchanted with who these Christians are that pretty he's pretty sure he can't possibly be included among them. How they're all hypocrites, for example. And how, how would you want to be associated with somebody like that? So it's just that unique perspective of like, okay, yeah, Satan isn't overtly going out and planting a lie in this person's mind or, you know, it's not some voice that he hears in his head other than just the kind of everyday kinds of thoughts that we might have, but get him to, to believe just a partially true thing, not a fully true thing about who these people are and who he is in relationship to them. Yeah, that's very true and good insight, Perry, to this book in our own lives. What about you, Melissa, about the highs and lows of the Christian faith that you found really helpful yeah. in this book. Um, I'm going to read this section on page 40 um, where Lewis kind of talks about that. It says, Do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer do- desiring but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. And I just love that because we, I mean, I think we all know and have learned through our own experience about the highs and lows of our spiritual lives and um, are very aware of how God can use those to form and shape our character. Um, but the importance of understanding that those highs and lows also provide uh, opportunities, great opportunities even for the devil to come in and steer things in a different direction. Right. Lewis is a brilliant and understanding sort of human nature and sort yeah. of the story that we find ourselves in. And he just has this uncanny sense and style of writing that like captures that brilliantly. And sometimes that's not easily read. You sort of have to read him and think about him and have a conversation in order yeah. to understand where he's going. But he's brilliant for sure. What about, um, you know, we talked about, we have these stories that we're living in and like, when we talk and we read about screw tape letters, we'll find ourselves in each chapter somewhere different than maybe we thought we were going to be. And um, I'll explain that this way. Like when you're reading screw tape letters, you're like, oh man, that was me like yesterday, or that was me yeah. two weeks ago with the temptation, or that was me with these people that I was hanging out with. Yeah. And Melissa, you, you sure shared a story about last Wednesday, even at work of, what you found in the screw tape letters. Yeah, we were just talking about that this morning. Jay walked in. He said, wow, it's really quiet here. 
I said, yeah, Wednesdays are pretty quiet. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And I kind of count on them as being a day for me to play catch up with the things that happen in meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays and all of that good stuff. So uh, a couple nights ago, I was reading this on page 111. And it says, now you will have noticed that nothing throws him into a passion so easily as to find attractive time, which he reckoned on having at his own disposal and is unexpectedly taken from him. I hate it when people take my time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have <laughs> no so idea true. what you're talking about. <laughs> can't relate. You can't all. relate at all. No. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, when, you, when you think like you, your plan for the day goes one way yeah. or is one thing and then goes a totally different oh, totally. direction, which yeah. never happens with kids. No. Or actually yeah. any other right. human interaction. Human being. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Jay, I had an experience with this too as I was reading again to the to the very tail end of my reading, page 34 here. Uh, I, I found this fascinating because I think it relates really well to the situation we find ourselves in right now, just culturally. Because Lewis here is talking about the war effort. Of course, he's writing this in the time of World War II. And he says about the subject... Um, whichever, this is again, the counsel being given from Screwtape, whichever he adopts, your main task will be the same. Let him begin by treating the patriotism or the pacifism as a part of his religion. So, you know, imagine yourself in a time of war and, um, you know, in this particular case, World War II, people are going to divide between two different perspectives. On one end of the spectrum, it's pacifism. On the other, it's patriotism. And then let him, under the influence of partisan spirit, come to regard it as the most important part. Then quietly and gradually nurse him onto the stage at which his religion becomes merely part of the cause, in which Christianity is valued chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of the British war effort or of pacifism. I look at our culture right now and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we have a lot of tendencies in our own time and our own age and situation to say about COVID and everything that's happened this past year to take a strong stance and then to kind of baptize it as well, because this is the Christian perspective. Obviously you have to wear a mask at all times, or this is the Christian perspective. Obviously you cannot wear a mask. You need to be free and not fearful. Mm. You need to operate with faith. And so we can baptize whichever perspective we take and include it as a part of our faith and therefore, if somebody has a different perspective, then it becomes this spiritual battle, which it's actually not. Yeah, he's, he kind of sums that up later in a sentence that says, if they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Like, ooh, there's Bingo. a knife right to your heart, right? right? Totally. Which is re- so true. We see that. It's like this was written current day. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I love Lewis, because you know it's well documented, his friendship with Tolkien. And I'm a big fan of... The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. What? Yeah. My my close friends understand this very well in my life. Nerd alert. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's well documented that but these men went through the first war together. And uh, not together, but they served in the first war. Mm-hmm. They they saw good and evil and the realities of what was happening in World War Two. And they lived through that as older men seeing younger men go off to war. So they really understand what's at stake. And they've actually lived in the trenches of World War One, and survived, and yeah. then saw the implications of World War Two, and lived through those. Mm-hmm. In fact, C.S. Lewis uh, went into the countryside to his country estate home, which most you you know British and Europeans have those summer type 
cottages. Doesn't everyone? (laughs) I wish. Just kidding. Yeah. And our favorite town in Colorado would be awesome. But um, he actually took on several batches of children who were escaping London and the bombing raids of World War II. And there wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, which if you're a fan of this book, you've got to jump into the Chronicles of Narnia. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, they're going to speak to you. They're wonderfully written fiction books. Um, and so that's why I really like C.S. Lewis. And I think he needs to be on your shelf as a Christian is because he really lived through some of the most tumultuous times of the 20th century and had a really great reflections on them. Yeah. yeah. I think that stood out to me uh, further in the book too. And sort of um, as I thought about Calvary and how lucky we are to have such a wide span of generations here. And it's so sweet to see families that are coming to Calvary that it's like the grandparents are coming because the kids started coming and the grandkids are also coming. And that's one thing that I love about coming to church here. But um, he talks about that later in the book and talks about um, the characteristic errors being corrected from one generation to another. So the things that we can learn from an older generation and maybe the other way around where older generations can become entrenched in a certain way of thinking and yeah. being around the younger generation kind of opens that up. And I, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, about I, it. I think that's one of the reasons why Lewis is also famous for his quote on, or his, his recommendation that you read old books mm. every once in a while. He talks about the chronological snobbery that we can get into yeah. snobbery, snobbery, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, um, and ha- just the importance of learning from those earlier generations, like you're talking about, Melissa. And I think that is one of the strengths of our church. We have that great potential here to learn from people who are ahead of us in, in life. And mm-hmm. we have so much that we can glean from their experience and, you know, some of their wisdom that they have learned in cases the hard way and, and just through um, decisions that they've made in the past that actually were difficult but great decisions and we can see the fruit in their own lives and learn from it as we apply it to our own yeah Yeah, it's really good so you know melissa my favorite question asked on this especially this version of the podcast of what we are reading is uh who should read this book and how should you read this book great question and what context do you have anything to say about that i do have something to say about that yeah about i would say a year year and a half ago or so i um, read this to my kids. In fact, I wrote in the first page of this, um, dear Elizabeth, Gabriel and Micah. And then I, I wrote, um, just a note to them about this book and its significance. And so we started reading this before bedtime and they are, um, now Elizabeth is 16 and Gabe is 13, almost, you know, be 14 soon. And Micah is 11. And so they were about a year, um, younger than they are now when we read this. And it was, it was great, but it takes some prep time if you're going to read it to kids that are that age. And I didn't put in the prep time. So sometimes we'd be reading along and I'd be like, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to explain this. Uh, so, uh, if you're going to read it to your kids, I think it's an awesome thing to do, but just know that you may have to put in a little bit of time ahead of time to prep because Lewis, Lewis is a very intelligent man and he's writing in a different era, even mm-hmm. though it's not like it's yeah. completely out of grasp from our own lifetime, but it is a different era and he writes in a different style that can sometimes be difficult for us to translate into our own vocabulary and yeah. um, way of understanding. So 
um, it's a great, it's a great book for people of all ages, including kids, but just realize that if you're going to read it to your kids, you might have to put in some prep on the front side. So maybe like a pre-read of the chapter. And then yeah. we were talking about this earlier, kind of each chapter has its different struggle or vice that um, they're talking about. So you can think about what that looks like in current day that maybe your kids yeah. could relate to. And that would be a conversation yeah. starting jump point. And this is not a bad time to Google your way to like the spark notes or summaries or of each chapter. Sure. Because even if you read it in a small group or in a book club, those are great and helpful for you to sort of understand where Lewis is going before you read the chapter. Right? Yeah. And then you had said on the Kindle, yeah, there were there was a good uh, resource for small group. Yeah. So if you want to read it through your, with your small group, which is a great recommendation um, here at Calvary, if you maybe do a summer reading as a small group or your group is, you know, um, just wanting to do something out of the box and completely different. In the Kindle version of this, of the screw tape letters, there's a link to small group questions that were written by the publisher that are really helpful in understanding and adding to the conversation from chapter to chapter. And there's a lot of Christians who've written a lot of small group guides. Yes. So you can Google your way to small group questions yeah. there too. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's worth your time. Yeah, so we sure. would recommend maybe a small group doing this or a book club. Yeah. Would that be your recommendation, Melissa? That's great. I love it. Yeah, and um, like you said, if you're going to do it, let us know. That'd be really fun to know who's actually reading the book or what groups are reading the book. Yeah, or if you want to borrow our book. I yeah. love Jay offered that with the first book that we read, and wow. somebody took me up on it and uh, borrowed a book. No, awesome. I was so excited. That's great because that first book is out of print, actually. Oh, really? It's sold out on its first edition wow. within like go. three months. So that's so cool. So yeah, that's really good. I'm glad you guys are tuning in to the weekly and just what this podcast is about, about providing some resources for you and your Christian bookshelf, because I think that's really important. And do you think that that book sold out because we talked about it on this podcast? Definitely. No doubt. No doubt. Everyone yeah. at Calvary hit by. Yeah. Not just Calvary. And this goes out to the whole world. Jay. Oh yeah. It's the whole yeah. world. Podcasting universe. Is this live? Yes. <laughs> No? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, we're really glad you're tuning in. Perry, Melissa, thanks for being here today. If you got questions about the screw tape letters, don't hesitate to write the weekly at calvarybible.com. We look forward to hearing you from your reflections, emails, your recommendations on maybe books to read. Yeah, we'd love that. Melissa and I are talking about our summer reading list and maybe getting some of those on the podcast over the summer. So if you got a great Christian fiction. We'd love to hear it. Yep. And I would recommend if you're going to read C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters are probably the second book you should read. What's the first? The Great Divorce is probably the first book you should read of C.S. Lewis. It's easy. It's fun. It's a blast. It's a fiction as well. And then screw tape letters and then mere Christianity are probably the chronological order I would write. I would read hmm. C.S. Lewis. Any other recommendations, Perry? No, I think the, I think that's good, Jay. It's good to have a little sequence in mind to read it. I did not read it in that order. I have not read The Great Divorce, um, although I've quoted from it, I believe, because it's so <laughs> quotable. But, uh, right. but uh, yeah, I, I think it's good to have a sequence in mind, though. Just yeah, and if you're a parent out there and you're thinking about resources for your kids, if you go to the Chronicles of Narnia, 
Focus on the Family did the best production I've ever heard of a fiction series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And you can go there and buy their... And you can get it on iTunes, actually. Oh, nice. So, The Chronicles of Narnia. And we might actually do... Didn't they make movies out of that, too? They did, but the books and the Focus on the Family's edition are the best. Totally. This is a great time to teach your kids that the book is always better than the movie. (laughs) Really helpful on a road trip, too. Oh, Yeah. 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 And maybe that should fall into our summer reading. Maybe. Chronicles of Narnia. All right. We love you guys. Thanks so much for turning, tuning in. Know that we're always praying for you. And like we said, if you have any comments or questions, write the weekly at calvarybible.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Have a great St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Luck of the Irish. St. Patrick's Day. Bye. Bye.